Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. The prestigious medical journal, The Lancet, reports that the rate of pancreatic cancer in the world doubled in the last 30 years. And when you look at the success rate of having stage four pancreatic cancer, it's not good. The five-year survival rate is only 3%. Stage four means the cancer is spread to other organs, typically the liver and lungs. And the Pancreatic Action Network states that cancer, pancreatic cancer, cannot be cured at this point. But do we have news for them? Joining us to talk about being free of his stage four pancreatic cancer, which had metastasized to his liver, is Steve. And joining Steve is his wife, Cindy, who live in the U.S., and they don't want us to use their last name, which we always respect. Steve, you are a rare breed. You cleared your pancreatic cancer in approximately three months without chemo or radiation. Tell us about the day the doctor said you were cancer-free. The day I got cancer-free, it was very, I was, yeah, it was very exciting and very, very emotional. Very humbling. Very humbling as well, yes. Because I'm very humble about everything I've been doing since I found out that I was have cancer, and I've learned to have a greater attitude and better attitude than, than most people probably went through. Um, and I think that was a big thing for me. Yeah, it was it was an awesome, awesome. And it was just last Friday, so we kind of kept it quiet to digest it for a couple of days, other than telling Corey. A few close friends. Yeah, maybe, a few you know. close friends, but it was really kind of unbelievable, not just for us, but our doctor, when he called us, said, I had to spend a, a very long time staring at this piece of paper, and then I had to take more time to compose myself to even call you because I hope you guys are sitting down and ready for this. And so, you know, we were thinking it would be good news, but not like good news, just, okay, we're doing better because, you know, he feels good. And he said, you are in the clear. So I'm in remission. Yeah. In remission. And we were, we were just, we were ecstatic. We were ecstatic. It was uh, quite a moment, quite a moment. I can imagine. I think you probably were in a bit of shock because of the good news. Well, I, I, I me mean, honestly, I kind of expected some good news, but I didn't think it was going to be that good of news. Mm-hmm. So I was really shocked when it was that good of news. Yes, but I wasn't too shocked at what because from everything I've been doing, all the things I've been doing, I knew I could I could beat this. I knew I could do it. I just didn't know it was going to happen this quickly. And I don't think I beat it. I beat it, but I still got to take my precautions and still be on my on some of my protocols. And I'm still going to be on these protocols for a few more months until I'm. It's a life changer, though. Yeah, it's a life changer. changer. Yeah, it's totally life changer. Um, We kind of lived this life before, though, because we did eat organic and we did eat vegan. I did, and I tricked him all the time what he was eating, so he thought he was eating meat, but he wasn't. (laughs) And you know, we 
we're very healthy people. And he just is a person that's very outdoors and very, very active. And people can't believe that he's even 62. A lot of people guess he's in his 40s. So for him to get sick was a big shock to us and so many people because they thought, oh, if anyone's going to get sick, it would have been everyone else around him, not him. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because I was usually pretty healthy. I was very, I'm always active, very active person. So I like to sit around and do nothing. I get, I mean, even when I was home, you know, being here, and I was because I pretty much haven't been working really. I've only worked a little bit of part time job, but I've done more things around my house, outside my house, than I've done in the last ten years, and just in the last couple months. So it's been it's been a real good ride or a fun ride, somewhat, I guess. Steve, you know, do you remember the day you got the diagnosis and what went through your mind? Were you expecting something fairly ominous? Yeah, when I got first diagnosed, I was kind of like, I knew there was something wrong with me because I, because of what was going on in my body. And when I was, you know, going to the bathroom, you know, my urine was kind of like orangey and, you know, I had a little bit of abdominal pain. I knew there was something wrong and I'm not, and I'm not a big doctor person. I, I uh, avoid them like, a, like the plague. I really do. But I knew there was something wrong. So I asked Cindy, uh, hey, can you find me a doctor? <laughs> so she found me one. And I drive actually 40 minutes to go to this doctor because it's he was just the type of doctor I was looking for. We're looking for somebody that would listen to us and not tell us um, what we had to do, but listen to what we wanted to do. And that was really hard to find. So we searched very far and we, we found somebody that was, was willing to listen. But yeah. once we found out the diagnosis, we didn't think he'd be our doctor anymore. We figured, well, he's sending us to the cancer hospital and we'll, we'll, we'll see you around. That's pretty much what we thought on him. But yeah, I mean, being diagnosed, I was, it was, it was shocking. I mean, like, like I said, I knew there was something wrong. Just, we actually thought it was the bladder. We mean sitting or gallbladder. We actually thought it was the gallbladder. So we're thinking, okay, you know, he called, you know, and after he initially found me that I had jaundice, because I went back to the doctor and it didn't, you know, because I wasn't getting better. So I went back a month later. And he just kind of looked in my eyes and said, okay, you have jaundice. I believe he missed the first time because I'm so tan because I work outside. And I wear a hat so you wouldn't see the little, because I had a little bald part on my top of my head there. You probably would have seen it then. And I was just so tan you couldn't even find it. So but when he looked at my eyes, he found it right away to jaundice. And that's when he sent me to go get a couple scans. They're also selling a scan. And then when he did that, I went and got it done that Monday or Wednesday. He called me two hours afterward, and he told me he had to come and talk. He wanted me to come in and talk to him. I kind of told him, well, I got to work the next two days, and I'll see you Friday. So I didn't go until Friday. So I think he was a little disappointed I didn't come in right away because I, I, I didn't think nothing of it. I really didn't think nothing of it. I just felt like, okay, it's not probably good news. I can wait one more day, and I'll find out then. So and then when he told me that, um, that Friday – me and Cindy went to uh, go see him. He told me that my jaundice was like at 54, and a normal I think is like uh, 1.5 or lower. Or, or lower. So, and the scan showed me that there was a mass on my pancreas. Well, that day he said, I believe that it's it's most likely cancer. Yeah. I spoke to the people that did the scan, the radiologist, and that we want you to go directly to the cancer hospital to the emergency room and get admitted immediately because he knew from how yellow he was from head to toe under his skin when we realized it, that that 54 was a pretty high number. And 
he needed to get there because everything was backing up instead of coming out because he was having a hard time, like going to the bathroom. It would take time and things weren't flowing in the right direction because his head was like the color of a sunflower. Then you went to the hospital. You had scans done. Yeah, the hospital. yeah I went to the hospital. I was in an emergency room for like six hours. Um, he had a lot of time to think how I was going to handle this. I thought the very first thing I, I should do is um, have a really good attitude about this because I think attitude makes a big difference on any and everything in any aspect of life. And that's where I did. I, I just, I just had to have this attitude that I was going to beat this in, in somehow or some way. Well, and you had said too that day, you, you spent six hours in the emergency room by yourself and, yeah, yeah. and it was a lot of time to spend by yourself. You did a lot of praying. You said you didn't want to be like other people that you've seen where they're so depressed. That your mind, um, yeah, your mind tells doesn't, your body yeah, how you body, feel. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to be positive no matter what the outcome is because I don't want to be in that place. I want to be in the right place to be able to do my very best to, to conquer what I can of this. So they scheduled an appointment for us with the cancer center, with the team of doctors, you know, when you go to get your full diagnosis and their treatment plan. And they put together for him. And um, right. then, then uh, one of the surgeon doctors abruptly just kind of like was like, with very little compassion, he said I had about approximately about six months to live. And then they said he had to do three types of chemo for six months and then possibly the Whipple. Well, no, they wanted to do the Whipple surgery right after I did the chemo. So then I asked them, I go, I kind of already knew about chemo and the, and the effects it already had. I've seen people go through it. Recently, a recently, yeah, my cousin actually, I just knew how awful his quality of life was, and I, you know, and then they said he's going to give me three more months. So I was like, I'm going to do six months of hell, and then live three more months, and then have a Whipple surgery, and then they saying that they're going to the Whipple surgery would would possibly offer me twenty to twenty nine more months of life. So I said, hmm, I thought this was sounds like hell on earth to be so. I, 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 we, we drove home. It was a two-hour drive back, and it was with, my, with Cindy and my son. And when we got home. I read the little pamphlets that they gave us, and I read for about ten minutes. And I just looked at the, and my, and then Cindy's like, "So, which things are you going to do?" And I looked at her, and I just said, "I'm not doing any of it." I go, "We're going to do this our way, and we're going to find out how we can do it." And if our it creator works, it just, works. and our creator just showed us the path. He showed us who to go to, and I'm so honored and grateful that that happened. I know, you're getting emotional. We knew right then that we can trust our creator more than man-made medicine. And so if he wanted Steve to live, he would live. And if he didn't want him to live, Steve said, I'm, I'm good and, with and that And I was also. good with that. I was good with that. I, it, it, I, I just didn't want to have that. Uh, no quality. No quality of life for us, you know, for the next maybe six to nine, maybe two years. I don't know, but I just didn't want that. So the great story about this is, and this is my favorite part, is when we met with the oncology team the last time because we had to come back with our decision. We were at the best cancer center in the whole state, and they had the plan in place. And so I'll let Steve tell the story because it was yeah. so great. So we went there for the last time. We just went one more time to, to find out, you know, about the treatments that they wanted to try to do to me. So the so we went seen a an oncology team, the surgeon, they were all there. Everybody was had their plan in place. So she the oncologist, 
she's like, she said, pretty kind of her. She said, uh, you know, there's a deadly can. This was after I told him I wasn't going to do anything. After yeah. I told him I wasn't going to do any of it. And then she, she said, oh, this is a deadly cancer. I said, yeah, I know. I, I'll go, but I'm going to choose quality of life and I'll take my chances. And she said, well, what are you going to do? And I told her, well, you'll, I'm going to go natural and I'll, and I'll see you in six months. If everything goes well, I'm still alive. I'll let you know. And then uh, she goes, well, that would be amazing. I go, well, get ready to be amazed. <laughs> <laughs> and she you know, didn't so, like that. Yeah, she didn't like that too much. She, she really didn't like that. So, But we um, we went home. We started to research a lot of natural protocols for the cancer. And we realized along our path that our creator had placed every so many people in our life over time before we found out he was sick that we almost had all the information we needed handed to us. So the way we got connected to Corey could not be a coincidence because we sat at a Bible study in our home. A woman was at our table and she started talking about her husband who was stage four lung cancer and he had connected with Corey. And when he went back for his scan six months later, he was NED. That was just very interesting to us. We were like, well, who is this lady? So we began, you know, looking into that and gave her a call and yeah, she called her, us right you know, back. Yeah. You know, we were lucky because she always has such a long list to talk to people. And she texted us and said, I think I have a 20 minute opening. Somebody canceled today. And we're like, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. You know, we ended up being on the phone, I think, for an hour or on a computer for an hour. But yeah, it was, it was great. It was awesome to hear what she had to say and what she had to do. And she wanted us to do it. So once we got on her products, I don't know if you want to butt in, Corey, but it, once he got on her products, his energy was unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I sent a message to her and I said, okay, you won't believe this guy. He just got done putting in new windows in my home, siding, and painted my whole house. And he's so bored and all he wants to do is work. And so she goes, hey, Steve, can you come over and paint my house in Canada too? <laughs> because he he's never stops. He's on the roof. He's remodeling the kitchen he put my brakes on my car one day and at the same day he fixed the door and i mean it's just it's a never-ending thing because he never really felt sick since we connected with her and got on the products well basically what steve was on was a four to one ratio thc to cbd uh, my recommendation was that he do suppositories morning afternoon evening and then a small oral dose at night. We talked about diet. We talked about detoxing. We talked about all of the positive things we're seeing with colloidal silver as well. So I recommended that he throw that into the mix. And um, I think we started you pretty much out the gate at a gram, didn't we, Steve? Oh, yeah, right off. Actually, more than that because I was doing the oral one. Right, right. So, so I was doing it. I started out right with the gram and then I was doing the oral at night. Yeah, I went so to bed. we were doing the, the suppositories, which, of course, don't get you high. And because of that, it's such a game changer because you don't need to spend those months and months building up. And in Steve's case, he certainly didn't have months and months. You know, we were against the mm-hmm. clock. And so we, you know, like we did with Gary up island, the elderly, the 83 mm-hmm. year old guy, we just started Steve right out the gate at a gram morning, afternoon, evening. How did you react to it, Steve? Orally. I really didn't want to get high on this stuff. So this is what happened. 
I actually got high like the first time I was goofy. It was it was really goofy the one first time. Second time wasn't so bad. <laughs> so after that, I was like, you know, I just prayed to my to Yahweh or God, and I, I just said, can you please not let me get high off this stuff anymore? I don't want to be like that. Da, 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 da. And you know what? Honest to gosh, man, I've never been high since then when I did ever did it orally. If I was up more than an hour or an, or an hour or two, if I took it orally, it was absolutely it amazing. It never affected him. It never affected me after that. You know, you are the very first person we've interviewed who's had pancreatic cancer that has not undergone chemo. Right, Corey? Oh, wow. I believe. Wow, yeah. I, I, there was no way I was going to do that. Just There was no way. I, I, I just seen what it did to people. I, I didn't want to do that. It was funny when we went to our first appointment back at the primary doctor because we walked out of the hospital. We lay in front of him this protocol, everything we're doing. And he's looking at it and his nurse is looking at it and they're like, we're going to have to read over all this and we'll let you know what we think. And we're like, we're already doing it for two months. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he's like, what, where did you get this information? And we're like, well, we're not even sure if you're going to want to continue to be our doctor. Because I mean, he just figured we went off to that hospital and then that was the end. And so he says, you know what? He looks at everything. He looks at us. He took his nurse's hand. He took our hands. He prayed with us. He prayed over us. And he said, yeah. I'd be honored to be your doctor. Wow. Nice. Yeah, that was really awesome. Very nice. We weren't sure. At all. I kind of thought maybe, but yeah, we weren't sure for sure. Would you share, Steve, you know, some of the other protocols you were doing? There's a huge amount of interest in your story. I am doing the Vosto. Are you familiar with that? Are you familiar with Velasto? Yes. I'm not, no. It's a red algae. Okay. And it's very good for helping to break through the cancer shell. It's an algae that's found in salmon, in lobster, and... That's how it, they get the discoloration of the... That's it, how the color of the salmon and lobster... It does many, many different things. It, inflammation. Because it's not just for cancer, but it's great for inflammation, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which actually has a lot to do with cancer inflammation, too. Yes, yeah. Almost all cancer patients have a very high level of inflammation in their system. You did diet. You did the colloidal silver. You did the blood. Yeah, I'm juicing. I did juicing the colloidal silver. I was doing turkey tail of mushrooms. Estes tea. Essiac? Essiac tea. We're doing rife and ozone therapy. Yeah, rife and ozone therapy. I mean, I went all out on this. I went on everything I could possibly get my hands on if I knew it was going to help me. Pancreatic enzymes, seropeptate enzymes. Yep. But, you know, Corey, one of the things is we, we listened really carefully to you. And then we just found that, you know, putting our trust in people instead of medicine, we felt so comfortable. Like when we talked to you, I remember Steve breaking down, like shaking after he talked to you because he thought there is hope. I'm not crazy. Like, because they make you think you're crazy, that you're never going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And we didn't care anyway. We just wanted him to feel okay. That was the first goal. So um, after you posted and shared his post yesterday, I'm not kidding. You could go on it. And there's about, we were at like 3,200 people that had seen his post because we know a lot of people where we live. We're at over 14,000 right now because you posted that. Wow. Yeah. 
We've been getting a lot of messages and we started yeah, we, to feel we, like, like this well, today we said, well, yeah. we feel like Corey. We know what she feels like because a lot of people reached out to us all through the night today, just since yesterday at three o'clock. And we've answered as many people as we can. And we are sharing the information with everybody. And I sat on the phone with somebody yesterday that's working with you. And her husband said, I went to six chemo treatments and I'm now, the seventh one is coming up on December 28th and I'm rather die. And she said, and right when he said, I'd rather die, the post came up from you. And he said, who are these people? Let's, let's find out what this is. And, and they called. Wow. That's great. Right. How much colloidal silver did you do a day, Steve? Probably, I probably overextended it, but I did anywhere about about four ounces. Mm -hmm. Okay. I started out like with an ounce, like twice a day. And then I just felt like I could do more, so I did more. I just wanted to poured out of the Journal of uh, uh, Clinical Oncology with a 77-year-old who had the nasal cavity stuff. He did all the chemo and radiation and then two surgical resections and was left lung mets and sent home on hospice. He cleared himself. He was 77. He did four ounces of colloidal silver a day. Yeah, I, so. that's what it was about. That's where I was about, you know. I was doing about four ounces. Sometimes I'd even do a little bit more, but not much more than that. I was doing whatever would help me. If, if, if Cindy would have probably put me on 10 more and I told him not to, because I was on so many and I have to remember all this stuff to take, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's been really the per, good. The first three months, he really just did juicing yeah. um, as far as raw eating, vegetables. raw vegetables, raw life, eating. So like he would do like 32 ounces of juice two times daily, which were pure organic vegetables. And he lost 60 pounds. He's back up 10 now because he's eating food again. But, you know, not, the, not, not the food lot, I make yeah. him that's the made out of plants. <laughs> wow. Wow. You wow. know, in the introduction that I had about the medical journal Lancet, it said that what you eat and drink impacts your pancreatic cancer risk 30 to 50%. 30 to 50%. So you are on the right track. You were doing everything that's correct. The cannabis, the colloidal silver, the change in diet, uh, the ozone therapy, and Rife Machine, which I think is really interesting because Rife was a fellow in the 1930s who developed this machine. I I used it once before, and then as soon as I found out that, that was like one of the very first things Mm -hmm. I thought I should start doing as well. And the ozone. But, you know, one of the other things that we looked into, and I don't, you know, I don't know if this is true because we're obviously, you know, we have no medical background, but we look at it as a lot of people, because I had H. pylori a couple years ago and I almost died from it. And they told me first I had stomach cancer. And then they told me I had H. pylori afterwards. And that's parasites. And they kept saying, you know, this can turn into stomach cancer. And I thought, that's so interesting that they bring up parasites and then stomach cancer. So I just wonder if this parasites have something to do with cancer forming or Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Steve, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is that prior to being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, were you a big consumer of sugar? Um, not really. No. I mean, I'd have my, you know, I mean, I would have a candy bar maybe like once a week, once a month or uh, not once a week, but once a month or I'd have, mm-hmm. you know, but no, I, I try to stay away from that stuff because I know it wasn't healthy for me. Yeah. 
everything we eat that's in food today has sugar. Everything. It doesn't even matter if it's even healthy food. It seems like everything's got sugar in it. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, so you kind of, you, it's like mm-hmm. a, trying to fight that sugar thing and it just, it's just really hard. you can't find anything that doesn't have and it. Then, and then when I'm juicing, I wasn't really eating a lot. So then I couldn't eat, I wasn't getting enough calories and I was, and I lost like 60 pounds. Not that I couldn't lose it, but I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, you look, I lost it pretty quickly. You look good now. Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. What was your doctor's comment when he gave you this news? Like, did he know what you were doing as far as cannabis, et cetera? And if anything, what did he have to say about all of that? No, he knew what we were doing. Um, he, he was all for it. Awesome. He basically said at the office, I believe this is the number one thing, protocol, number one, yeah. that has shrunk everything and, and put you in the position that you're in now, I believe that's number one, first and foremost, and doing all the other 15 different things just made it work that much faster. Yeah, I I believe that because I mean, I mean, I've heard people that, you know, have cancer and they get it, when they get rid of it, it takes them sometimes a year or eight months. And I kind of did it in three or four. I was kind of like, wow. And then I had one of the worst cancers of of it too. Yeah, you were kind of in a rut. So, no, Steve, she... do you have some scans ordered or anything? Like, what's where do you go from here on this journey? He's not a real big believer in scans because he knows how dangerous they are. Right. So he said if there was something, you know, with my numbers and he thinking I would need a scan, he said, no, no, no problem, he would do it. Mm-hmm. But right now he doesn't believe I should do it. And he wanted me to, if you know, a lot of people like to do that PET scan, but they feed you sugar when before you do yeah. that scan. That's one scan I didn't want to do because if it's feeding me sugar, it's good because that's how it shows, I guess, all the, where all the masses are Yeah. because yeah. the cancer goes right after that sugar. Yeah. So I didn't really want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't so we just got the marker, the TA-19 marker. Well, you've got an excellent doctor. We think so. Yes. Yeah. yeah we. I do, I, man, I, I think this guy's awesome. Hard to find that, though. Yeah, it's really hard to find. Steve, how different is your life now? I realize it's very early stages of being clear of, of cancer. Well, how different is your life in terms of your mental outlook? My mental outlook? Yeah. Oh, I, my, I'm going to have, you know what, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to go strong for the next three months on this, keep doing what I'm doing now. I'm not going to give it up. After that three months, I'm going to still be juicing. I'm going to have a great mental outlook on it, honestly. Because I, I know I can stay off this and not, I can know I can beat this and I know I can uh, not have to worry about coming back if I do the right things and keep doing the right things. I'll be, I'll be fine. I mean, mentally, I'm going to be fine. I have no issues with that. Yeah, you should stay on a, mi- a maintenance dose of cannabis. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm going to be staying on stuff, you know. Cindy, how, uh, how do you feel about all this? What I love is that we came home and from day one, he trusted the only healer that there is of the universe. And that's our creator. And he said, I'm going to put my life and my faith in his hands and I'm going to walk beside mm-hmm. him and I am not going to waver. And when people don't understand, I, I want to live. And so I'm willing to sacrifice anything because food is nothing to sacrifice compared to, you know, when you're looking at your life, mm-hmm. he said, I want to live and I know what I want the outcome to be. And so I'm going to do everything in my power 
to get to that outcome. And he never wavered. He is such a good example. I like to say people in the Bible because he's such a good, he walked it out and it's not an easy walk. And we went through very little downs, mostly ups. He's so positive all the time. And he said, my mind is going to control what my body thinks. And I'm going to tell my body, I am going to heal and I am fine. And this cancer is going to be gone. And so we're not saying it's gone forever. We know it's remission. We're not saying the word cure. It's not. He is doing extremely well for what he was diagnosed with because he's still here and it's now going to be six months. And he, if, it, if we went, went the other route, I'd be taking care of him in a bed and he would be, it would be awful. So every day is a blessing. And I feel so lucky that he's my example because I should be leading him through this and he led me through this. So that's what I got to say. Well, Winston Churchill had a great quote. He says, when you're going through hell, keep going. I think what uh, you've done, Steve, is is you've uh, you've done both the, the the dietary changes, the cannabis changes, but as Corey says, this is about your health, about your spirit, about your mental mm-hmm. attitude, and I think you have the right mental attitude. You knew in your heart that this was going to work. And you yep, you did what did. you did whatever was necessary in order to make it work. And look at you today. You are cancer free after three months. That's unbelievable. After three months of having yep. one of the most deadly cancers of all, which is pancreatic cancer. I think you're a real testimony to the perseverance that someone must have in order to get through this deadly disease. And I think it's it, you are amazing. You are truly amazing, and I salute you. Well, thank you very much. I, I really tried hard to get this, and I can't take all this credit because my wife, Cindy, she she is just an amazing, amazing wife. She took care of me. She researched, and she she did all these super things for me. And she was, she, she, I, I got to give her at least half of that credit because she's just awesome, so awesome. Well, she just wants you to keep doing the changes around the house. That's why. Exactly. I got to get busy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanks, Steve and Cindy. We uh, wish you well in the future. It's a, a great story, a wonderful story. And we know that you will be cancer-free for many, many years ahead. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, folks. Really, really appreciate it. We appreciate you. Yep. And you are a blessing. Yes. Thank you, Corey. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. 
Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.